Section 44 of Fabiola by Nicholas Patrick Cardinal Wiseman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Part Second Conflict. Chapter 25. The Rescue. In spite of every attempt at concealment, the news was soon spread among all connected with the court that Sebastian had been discovered to be a Christian and was to be shot to death on the morrow. But on none did the double intelligence make such an impression as on Fabiola. Sebastian, a Christian, she said to herself, the noblest, purest, wisest of Rome's nobility, a member of that vile, stupid sect? Impossible. Yet the fact seems certain. Have I, then, been deceived? Was he not that which he seemed? Was he a mean impostor who affected virtue, but was secretly a libertine? Impossible, too. Yes, this was indeed impossible. She had certain proofs of it. He knew that he might have had her hand and fortune for the asking, and he had acted most generously and most delicately towards her. He was what he seemed, that she was sure, not gilded, but gold. Then how account for this phenomenon, of a Christian being all that was good, virtuous, amiable? One solution never occurred to Fabiola's mind, that he was all this because he was a Christian. She only saw the problem in another form. How could he be all that he was, in spite of being a Christian? She turned it variously in her mind, in vain. Then it came to her thought thus. Perhaps, after all, good old Crematins was right, and Christianity may not be what I have fancied, and I ought to have inquired more about it. I am sure Sebastian never did the horrible things imputed to Christians, yet everybody charges them with them. Might there not be a more refined form of this religion, and more groveling one, just as she knew there was in her own sect, Epicureanism? One coarse, material, wallowing in the very mire of sensualism, the other refined, skeptical, and reflective. Sebastian would belong to the higher class, and despise and loathe the superstitions and vices of the commoner Christians. Such a hypothesis might be tenable, but it was hard to reconcile to her intellect, how a man like that noble soldier could, anyway, have belonged to that hated race, and yet he was ready to die for their faith. As to Zoe and the others, she had heard nothing, for she had only returned the day before from a journey made into Capania to arrange her father's affairs. What a pity, she thought, that she had not talked more to Sebastian on such subjects. But it was now too late. Tomorrow morning he would be no more. The second thought came with a sharp pang of a shaft shot into her heart. She felt as if she personally were about to suffer a loss, as if Sebastian's fate were going to fall on someone closely bound to her by some secret and mysterious tie. Her thoughts grew darker and sadder as she dwelt on these ideas amidst the deepening gloom. She was suddenly disturbed by the entrance of a slave with a light. It was Afra, the black servant, who came to prepare her mistress's evening repast, which she wished to take alone. While busy with her arrangement, she said, "'Have you heard the news, madam?' "'What news?' "'Only that Sebastian is going to be shot with arrows tomorrow morning. What a pity! He was such a handsome youth!' "'Be silent, Afra, unless you have some information to give me on the subject.' "'Oh, of course, my mistress, and my information is indeed very astonishing. Do you know that he turns out to be one of those wretched Christians?' Hold your peace, I pray you, and do not prat any more about what you do not understand. Certainly not, if you so wish it. 
I suppose his fate is quite a matter of indifference to you, madam. It certainly is to me. He won't be the first officer that my countrymen have shot. Many they have killed, and some they have saved. But, of course, that was all chance. There was a significance in her words and tones, which did not escape the quick ear and mind of Fabiola. She looked up for the first time, and fixed her eyes searchingly on her maid's swarthy face. There was no emotion in it. She was placing a flag on a wine upon the table, just as if she had not spoken. At length the lady said to her, "'Aphra, what do you mean?' "'Oh, nothing, nothing. What can a poor slave know? Still more, what can she do?' "'Come, come, you meant by your words something that I must know.' The slave came round the table, close to the couch on which Fabiola rested, looked behind her and around her, then whispered, do you want Sebastian's life preserved? Fabiola almost leaped up as she replied, Certainly. The servant put her finger to her lip to enforce silence and said, It will cost you dear. Name your price. A hundred sestertia and my liberty. I accept your terms, but what is my security for them? They shall be binding only if, twenty-four hours after the execution, he is still alive. Agreed, and what is yours? Your word, lady. Go, Aphra, lose not a moment. There is no hurry, quietly replied the slave, as she completed, unhurried, the preparations for supper. She then proceeded at once to the palace, and to the Mauritanian quarters, and went indirectly to the commander. What dost thou want, Jubala? he said, at this hour. There is no festival to-night. I know, high facts. But I have important business with thee. What is it about? About thee, about myself, and about thy prisoner. Look at him there, said the barbarian, pointing across the court, which his door commanded. You would not think that he is going to be shot to-morrow. See how soundly he sleeps. He could not do so better if he were going to be married instead. As thou and I, Hyfax, intend to be the next day. Come, not quite so fast. There are certain conditions to be fulfilled first. Well, what are they? First, thy manumission. I cannot marry a slave. That is secured. Secondly, a dowry, a good dowry, mind, for I never wanted money more than now. That is safe, too. How much dost thou expect? Certainly not less than three hundred pounds. I bring thee six hundred. Excellent. Where didst thou get all this cash? Whom hast thou robbed? Whom hast thou poisoned, my admirable priestess? Why wait till after to-morrow? Let it be to-morrow, to-night, if it please thee. Be quiet now, Hyfax. The money is all lawful gain, but it has its conditions, too. I said I came to speak about the prisoner, also. Well, what has he to do with our approaching nuptials? A great deal. What now? He must not die. The captain looked at her with a mixture of fury and stupidity. He seemed on the point of laying violent hands on her, but she stood intrepid and unmoved before him, and seemed to command him by the strong fascination of her eye, as one of the serpents of their native land might do a vulture. "'Art mad?' he at last exclaimed. "'Thou mightest as well at once ask for my head. If thou hast seen the emperor's face when he issued his orders, thou wouldst have known he will have no trifling with him here.' "'Pshaw, pshaw, man!' Of course the prisoner will appear dead, and will be reported as dead. And if he finally recover? 
his fellow christians will take care to keep him out of the way didst thou say twenty-four hours alive i wish thou hast made it twelve well but i know that thou canst calculate close let him die in the twenty-fifth hour for what i care it is impossible jubala impossible he is too important a person very well then there is an end to our bargain the money is given only on this condition six hundred pounds thrown away as she turned off to go stay stay said hyfax eagerly the demon of covetousness coming uppermost let us see why my fellows will consume half the money in bribes and feasting well i have two hundred more in reserve for that sayest thou so my princess my sorceress my charming demon but that will be too much for my scoundrels we will give them half and add the other half to our marriage settlements shan't we as it pleases thee provided the thing is done according to my proposal it is a bargain then he shall live twenty-four hours and after that we will have a glorious wedding sebastian in the meantime was unconscious of these amiable negotiations for his safety for like peter between two guards he was slumbering soundly by the wall of the court fatigued with his day's work he had enjoyed the rare advantage of retiring early to rest and the marble pavement was a good enough soldier's bed but after a few hours repose he awoke refreshed and now that all was hushed he silently rose and with outstretched arms gave himself up to prayer the martyr's prayer is not a preparation for death for his is a death that needs no preparation the soldier who suddenly declares himself a christian bends down his head and mingles his blood with that of the confessor whom he had come to execute or the friend of unknown name who salutes the martyr going to death is seized and made to bear him willing company is as prepared for martyrdom as he who has passed months in prison engaged in prayer it is not a cry therefore for the forgiveness of past sin for there is a consciousness of that perfect love which sendeth out fear an inward assurance of that highest grace which is incompatible with sin nor in sebastian was it a prayer for courage or strength for the opposite feeling which could suggest it was unknown to him it never entered into his mind to doubt that as he had faced death intrepidly for his earthly sovereign on the battlefield so he should meet it joyfully for his heavenly lord in any place his prayer then till morning was a gladsome hymn of glory and honour to the king of kings adjoining with the seraph's glowing eyes and ever shaking wings in restless homage then when the stars in the bright heavens caught his eyes he challenged them as wakeful sentinels like himself to exchange the watchword of divine praises and as the night wind rustled in the leafless trees of the neighbouring court of adonis he bade its wayward music compose itself and its rude harping upon the vibrating boughs form softer hymns the only ones that earth could utter in its winter night hours now burst on him the thrilling thought that the morning hour approached for the cock had crowed and he would soon hear those branches murmuring over him to the sharp whistle of flying arrows unerring in their aim and he offered himself gladly to their sharp tongues hissing as the serpents to drink his blood he offered himself as an oblation for god's honour and for the appeasing of his wrath he offered himself particularly for the afflicted church and prayed that his death might mitigate her sufferings and then his thoughts rose higher from the earthly to the celestial church soaring like the eagle from the highest pinnacle of the mountain peak towards the sun clouds have rolled away and the blue embroidered veil of morning is rent in twain like the sanctuaries and he sees quite into its revealed depths 
far far inwards beyond senates of saints and legions of angels to what stephen saw of inmost and intensest glory and now his hymn was silent harmonies came to him too sweet and perfect to brook the jarring of a terrestrial voice they came to him requiring no return for they brought heaven into his soul and what could he give back it was as a fountain of purest refreshment more like gushing light than water flowing from the foot of the lamb and poured into his heart which could only be passive and receive the gift yet in its sparkling bounds as it rippled along towards him he could see the countenance now of one and then of another of the happy friends who had gone before him as if they were drinking and bathing and disporting and plunging and dissolving themselves in those living waters his countenance was glowing as with the very reflection of the vision and the morning dawn just brightening oh what a dawn that is caught his face as he stood up with his arms in a cross opposite the east so that when hyphax opened his door and saw him he could have crept across the court and worshipped him on his face sebastian awoke as from a trance and the chink of sesterches sounded in the mental ears of hyphax so he set scientifically about earning them he picked out of his troop of a hundred five marksmen who could split a flying arrow with a fleeter one called them into his room and told them their reward concealing his own share and arranged how the execution was to be managed as to the body christians had already secretly offered a large additional sum for its delivery and two slaves were to wait outside to receive it among his own followers he could fully depend on secrecy sebastian was conducted into the neighboring court of the palace which separated the quarters of these african archers from his own dwelling it was planted with rows of trees and consecrated to adonis he walked cheerfully in the midst of his executioners followed by the whole band who were alone allowed to be spectators as they would have been of an ordinary exhibition of good archery the officer was stripped and bound to a tree while the chosen five took their stand opposite cool and collected it was at best a desolate sort of death not a friend not a sympathizer near not one fellow christian to bear his farewell to the faithful or to record for them his last accents and the constancy of his end to stand in the middle of the crowded amphitheatre with a hundred thousand witnesses of christian constancy to see the encouraging looks of many and hear the whispered blessings of a few loving acquaintances has something cheering and almost inspiring in it it lent at least the feeble aid of human emotions to the more powerful sustainment of grace the very shout of an insulting multitude put a strain upon natural courage as the hunter's cry only nerves the stag at bay but this dead and silent scene at dawn of day shut up in the court of a house this being with most unfeeling indifference tied up like a truss of hay or a stuffed figure to be coolly aimed at according to the tyrant's orders this being alone in the midst of a horde of swarthy savages whose very language was strange uncouth and unintelligible but who were no doubt uttering their rude jokes and laughing as men do before a match or a game which they are going to enjoy all this had more the appearance of a piece of cruelty about to be acted in a gloomy forest by banditti than open and glorious confession of christ's name it looked and felt more like assassination than martyrdom but sebastian cared not for all this angels looked over the wall upon him and the rising sun which dazzled his eyes but made him a clearer mark for his bowmen shone not more brightly on him than did the countenance of the only witness he cared to have of suffering endured for his sake 
the first moor drew his bowstring to his ear and an arrow trembled in the flesh of sebastian each chosen marksman followed in turn and shouts of applause accompanied each hit so cleverly approaching yet avoiding according to the imperial order every vital part and so the game went on everybody laughing and brawling and jeering and enjoying it without a particle of feeling for the now drooping frame painted with blood all in sport except the martyr to whom all was sober earnest each sharp pang the enduring smart the exhaustion the weariness the naughty bonds the constrained attitude oh but earnest too was the steadfast heart the untiring spirit the unwavering faith the unruffled patience the unsated love of suffering for his lord earnest was the prayer earnest the gaze of the eye on heaven earnest the listening of the ear for the welcoming strain of the heavenly porters as they should open the gate it was indeed a dreary death yet this was not the worst after all death came not the golden gates remained unbarred the martyr in his heart still reserved for greater glory even upon earth found himself not suddenly translated from death to life but sunk into unconsciousness in the lap of angels his tormentors saw when they had reached the intended measure they cut the cords that bound him and sebastian fell exhausted and to all appearance dead upon the carpet of blood which he had spread for himself on the pavement did he lie like a noble warrior as he now appears in marble under his altar in his own dear church we at least cannot imagine him as more beautiful and not only that church do we love but that ancient chapel which stands in the midst of the ruined palatine to mark the spot on which he fell End of section forty four